Hey, do you guys want any podcorn? I'd love some popcorn. No, 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 Pete. Uh, podcorn. It's a marketplace for connecting podcasters to sponsorship opportunities. Wait, uh, Podcorn, isn't that who's sponsoring our show right now? Sure is, Justin. Podcorn has a great, easy-to-use interface that lets you search for advertisers for your podcast and lets advertisers search for you. So is there any popcorn or... Wait, wait, so what's the deal? If I use popcorn, I'm going to have to spend a lot of time learning about advertising and dealing with financials, which is like a money word, and selling my soul to sketchy, horrible companies that make me feel like I want to die? No, no, no. The opposite of that. I was actually shocked, and I mean this sincerely. Thanks for being unsincere every time, every moment before this. Well, it's an ad. Anyway, I took barely any time to set up, uh, and then once I did, it was actually fun to click through and find advertisers that might match well with our podcast. The whole interface is Simple and straightforward, even for someone not financially minded like me. True. And once you do hook up with an advertiser like, say, Podcorn. I'm hungry. Pete, just working with them to craft the right ad is supremely simple, too. You don't have to commit to anything you don't want to do, and you can spend a lot less time looking around for advertisers and more time on making your podcast great. <laughs> yeah. So when do we start making this podcast great? Wow. Wow. <laughs> Anyway, you never give up your rights, and Podcorn is there to help protect you if there are any issues. I really can't recommend it highly enough. And hey, if you want more info, check out the link in our episode description. Once again, that's Podcorn. Podcorn? Podcorn. So is no one else craving popcorn right now? Pete, Pete come, come on. on. Just eat a meal. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from the internet. We're coming to you live from Crowdcast. We're coming to you live from uh, YouTube, the tube. And if you're listening on an audio podcast, not live, but hey, that's cool anyway. It's all good, bro. Still living. Still living. Still live. Live and living. Uh, Guys, very excited to see you on this Tuesday night on this pack show. Justin, you have. Oh, Peter, did I touch your heart by yeah, actually talking really, to you? Yeah, it was nice to see us. I think that's the first time you've ever said <laughs> Never that. Never said it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but usually when we used to do the live show, Alex would be like, go fuck yourself. He would, <laughs> he would run out and start the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. I do, uh, miss, you know. I do miss those like two minutes before we go out onto stage when we're yeah, on stage. Just to give you guys a little background, the two minutes, the last two minutes before we run on stage back when we did a live was, uh, oh, should we do an opening bit? And then we would like, <laughs> Pete would list all the nonsense opening bits that he had. Like, oh, um, how are your kids? It's like, that's not a real thing. <laughs> Justin, do you still have that bump on your head? I was like, no, yeah. that was from something. So and then we would push each other a little bit and then run mm. out like a, like three little boys. Yeah. <laughs> now it's uh, just we talk. We don't even say, should we do an opening bit? I just press go live and there we are. And that's exactly. where you get this primo material. Exactly. Oh this is all written. Yes, and then we would turn to our guests to be like, "Wait, what do you do? Hey, Nat Towson, what do you what do you do here?" <laughs> uh, well, folks, we have two amazing guests for you tonight. Later in the show, we're going to have a guy named Josh Kemble is going to be here. But right now, I'm going to invite our first guest into the stream. He is the creator of, among many other things, a book called Slightly Exaggerated, which yes. is on Kickstarter now. You can get the first and second issues uh, as a Kickstarter for the next eight days. Very successful Kickstarter, as usual, <laughs> on the show. Uh, yes. But well worth it, and I'm excited to chat about the book because it is a weird sci-fi fantasy world that I don't think we've seen before. Uh, his name's Curtis Clow. And he's going to slowly make his way into the stream here. But that's, or quickly. Uh, slowly or, or quickly. quickly. We'll see that's what happens. Either way. 
Yeah, whatever speed he wants to come in on is 100%. Primo with me. This is what you call a New York minute. And because we're all in New York, except for Pete, the trader who moved to another (laughs) town. What is that tongue thing, Pete? Is that a Philadelphia thing? It's a Philly thing. It's a Philly thing. That's just, oh, that's so creepy when you do it. The Philly tongue? I will say it's weirder when you do it, Alex. Well, Pete, and you should tell us, you've been the Philly fanatic for the last, um, throughout the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. You just got to have a beard and you got to take, if you move to Philly, you got to take a turn being the Philly fanatic. That's just how it works. Oh, nice. that's great. Uh, how yeah. does it smell in that costume? Wait, Glorious. that's, a, that's it's a like costume? smells like yeah, it smells like cheesecakes. I mean, what's cheesecakes? Cheese, <laughs> cheesecakes. <laughs> Philly cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's famous for. Yeah. It's made with Philadelphia cream cheese, right? Hey, there's Curtis. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you guys? Awesome. Uh, Excited to chat about this book. Excited to chat about Slightly Exaggerated. Um, This book, like we were talking about a little bit in the intro, is... Well, I'm curious to hear you talk about it. Is it sci-fi? Is it fantasy? Does it matter? Where did this start? It's kind of like a fantasy world. I'm a big fan of Studio Ghibli, so it's kind of Studio Ghibli-inspired, like Indiana Jones uh, adventure. In this like strange world with like whimsical flying uh, sea creatures and talking animals and everything weird, um, and it's a world that's uh, where religion is law, and it's about a dying girl that has to capture a sacred artifact to um, trade it to a crazed cult leader to try to like restore order. It's uh, it's funny that you said that because when I was uh, reading it, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful and really cool. But it did remind me a little bit of uh, Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind because they have the gliders, but in this you use uh, stingrays, so pretty neat. Oh yeah, yeah. Pete never uh, unafraid to drop some uh, Ghibli knowledge on us as he's going. I love yeah. I love me some Gibbs. No, I'm a huge Ghibli fan as well. Yeah, Nausicaa's great. Now, yeah. when you are fleshing out a new world like this, I mean, you touched on some of the influences a little bit, but where does that start? Where was the initial germ of inspiration of this is the kind of world that it's going to be? I mean, for this one, uh, my co-creator, Pius Bach, um, I've seen his work in Kickstarter before. Uh, my video cut out. Can you guys still hear me? Oh, yeah. Yep. Audio okay. still. Uh, well, I, my audio still there. Uh, Pius Bach, I've seen his work on other Kickstarters, so... Um, kind of got in touch with him and just let him know that I wanted to work with him. And then uh, I knew he'd be perfect for like this weird fantasy world with like flying sea creatures and everything. So uh, me and him were just kind of like story building and world building for this world. And uh, kind of like a story specifically that I had in mind for this artist. Now, how does that work when you, when you meet someone uh, just online to work together, is there like a little like circling each other? Like, Oh, let me check out this person. Like how, how does that relationship develop? Oh man, it's uh it's different for every like collaborator. Like I I have a few creator-owned series that I kickstart and they're all with uh creators that I've never met in person. Most of them live in other countries. Pius, he's in uh Lithuania. So it's just like, you know, like following on social media, DMing them and just being friendly and uh, you know, letting them know that you would want to work with them eventually and then uh you, I don't know, you kind of like make these friendships uh eventually just over the years of emailing back and forth. That's uh, awesome. Now, talk about the main character. I, I believe her name's Mia. Is that right? Or did I? Did I yeah, get it wrong? that's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where did the inspiration for her come from? 
uh, the inspiration for her, it's, it's kind of a book about a uh, atheist. I'm an atheist, so it's kind of like philosophically uh, a, a book about atheis- atheism, but it's not meant to be like preach or anything. So it's about her. She's dying. She only has a uh, limited time left to live. And um, it's about her trying to do the right thing in her like final moments. Uh, she kind of le- lived her life as a like treasure hunter and just caring about herself. Uh, but now in her last weeks, she's trying to do the right thing, even if it doesn't necessarily line up with her beliefs. Yeah. Uh, and you were saying that you've done a lot of different Kickstarter projects. Uh, what I've, I always find it interesting because everybody has different lessons that they've learned. What in particular have you learned from Kickstarter over the years? Oh, man, I've learned a ton. Yeah, this is my 11th Kickstarter. Um, I mean, starting out small is probably the biggest thing. So, like, if you're first starting out, like, you can't expect to, like, fund a lot. But it's uh, kind of like a snowball effect where it builds up Kickstarter after Kickstarter. So now on my 11th, we've, uh, you know, we've funded uh, a lot more than I could have in my first few. And then it's also about it's such like an intimate experience with you and your backers. So they trust you after this many Kickstarters, you just have to keep doing the right thing and make sure you're fulfilling all your rewards. And, uh, you know, like I'm sending out all the packages myself. So it's not like I have like a distributor to do all this work for me. It's really like a intimate between me and the Kickstarter backers. Yeah. Uh, you also, uh, as folks are looking through some of these pages, at least on the video version of this, probably know, uh, we skip by a little bit of the nudity, but there's certainly plenty of violence and anything like that. Uh, is that <laughs> potentially one of the advantages of doing Kickstarters? You don't necessarily have content requirements in the same way that you would from a mainstream publisher? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, you don't have any like uh, anything holding you back, like whatever you whatever story you want to tell. uh with violence or anything you want, like you can tell it. Uh, like I, I've hired editors myself to kind of help me uh, edit my work just because I want it to be the best that I can make it. But like, you don't have any, uh, you know, there's no one holding you back. Yeah. You got to control the means. That's why we started podcasting nude so that we could exactly. really be, the, be the people we wanted to be. Yeah. And for a little bit of video, story we... you want to tell. Exactly. Yeah. Now Our stack podcast vid- always nude. Nobody, oh. you may not know. Well, that's <laughs> we roll that out separately for the live one. We all put on shirts, but yeah, you know, only shirts, <laughs> only shirts. Uh, now, since you are publishing yourself at the same time, there's got to be, I think, a little bit of limitations there in terms of what you're doing. Um, is there? I, 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 I'm sorry if I'm not familiar. Have you worked with any? mainstream publishers before and in that case what is difference for you in the experience with working for a mainstream publisher versus distributing yourself oh man so uh i've only self-published as of now but uh mm-hmm. all three of my creator-owned kickstarter series have been picked up by publishers uh i have one called the wild cosmos that's been picked up by scout comics and then um my other two beastlands and slightly exaggerated it hasn't been announced yet but we'll have a trade release with the publisher but uh, I, I mean, it's a lot of work self-publishing, like storing all the books in my apartment, shipping everything myself. It's, yeah, it's fun because I get yeah. to design all the books myself. But um, like, I, I look forward to the day where I just get some comps from a publisher and I don't have to do like any of the shipping <laughs> yeah. work. And, you know, yeah, you got to stop licking so that'll stamps. Be different. No more stamps, man. <laughs> uh, so right now you got the Kickstarter for slightly exaggerated. Uh, we were showing off a little bit of one, but there's issue two as well. Um, are you going to keep going with the series on Kickstarter like that? Are there three issue three issue four? Or is that the complete story at this point? 
It's a four issue series. So we'll do one more Kickstarter for the final two issues. And then we'll have a trade release with a publisher. And then depending on how sales go, uh, there's definitely more stories I could tell in this world or me and Pius have talked about maybe working on a different series. But I just wanted to tell like as a I'm a pretty new creator. So I wanted to just tell a good story in, uh, you know, in like a limited four issues rather than trying to go crazy and, you know, make 30 issues, 40 issues, something that's not really realistic as a pretty new creator. Yeah, it's yeah. always crazy when it's like, well, this is an ongoing series that I'm self-publishing and doing everything for. It's like, ongoing? <laughs> for how long? <laughs> no, I can't even imagine. Ah, so much yeah. work, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Curtis, thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations on the book. Obviously, you don't need the patented comic book club bump because you're doing very successfully, yes. but you got it anyway. Yeah, that was... Bump, nonetheless. It's, uh, it's a great book. I uh, love how the first issue ends. Uh, congratulations. So good. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I, I like watching the show, so it's cool to get on and talk to you guys. Oh, awesome. well, thank you, man. Thanks, Curtis. Good Have luck. a good night. All right, there we go. Uh, that was great Curtis book, Clow. Uh, really it is really book. good. And uh, for those of you who don't know Pius Box artwork, we've talked about Firefly on the stack a couple of times uh doing art sure for have. that as well uh but again you have about at the t- as of this taping about eight ish seven eight days uh on the issue one and two kickstarter for slightly exaggerated you can go check that out that is good stuff um all right we're going to welcome our second guest here into the stream uh he is the creator of a book called two stories book one which is out now his name's joshua kemble hello josh how are you hey, How's it going, hey. Guys? <laughs> good to welcome. see you Uh, excited to chat about this book. This is a gorgeous book. Um, I do want to mention for anybody who is either listening to the podcast or watching live, there's some uh, pretty serious topics that come up in the book that I'm sure we're going to get into. So, uh, consider this a trigger warning here, particularly when it comes to suicidal ideation. Uh, if you want to tune out now for the next 15 or 20 minutes or so, please do. And then you can come back if you're watching the live show, same with the podcast. Uh, but that out of the way, uh, Josh, let's talk about two, uh, two stories. One, yeah. Two. <laughs> God damn it! Oh, oh my god! So close! Wow. I love it. Wow. Two stories book. Uh, book one. Right? <laughs> two, um, two books. Story one. Two books. <laughs> I know. Interview. It, it can be a little confusing uh, title wise. Um, there's like a meaning behind the title because it sort of juxtaposes. Um, so it's funny you were bringing up like Studio Ghibli and like to just transition to this one <laughs> this is like the whisper of the heart kind of ghibli film it's a okay, slice nice. of life you are speaking yeah. peach right? language here yeah, so yeah. yeah um so it's a slice of life autobio comic um about faith and mental illness um and it's basically about a point where i had kind of moved to portland with my fiance i was like a young kind of ambitious uh comic book creator And we had moved into this apartment and um, things were going very well in our lives. Like I had just won the Zarek grant, which was like a huge deal in comics. Yeah. And and yet I was plagued with um, a desire to kind of commit suicide that was driven pretty, pretty much by like my, um, my kind of world outlook. Cause at the time I was like a pretty um, avid atheist and also an existentialist. And Mm -hmm. so um, I had been driven to like this idea that like if life was purposeless, then what was the purpose? And so um, the story starts really heavy and these interviews always start really heavy <laughs> um, with me on a bridge um, about to kind of kill myself and then not able to do it and sort of unfolds from there. 
um, sort of juxtaposing mental health struggles as an adult with mental health struggles as a child, um, where it's like, you know, when you're a kid, like the way you deal with depression and the sort of situations that depress you or, or cause frustration are a little different. So even stylistically, it transitions um, to this more kind of um, what I like to call like a crappy Mary Blair style. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a wonky um, Sunday comics uh, style. Yeah. But also part of why I'm I'm shifting styles in it too is the whole book is also a love letter to cartooning. So um, the first is like more in the tradition of a lot of great indie comics um, and like, you know, our crumb, like with a lot of hatching and then yeah. um, pulling from, you know, the Hernandez brothers with like solid blacks mm-hmm. and whites and stuff. Um, and then kind of transitioning to more of a, uh, an old school, uh, cartooning style for these sequences that deal with childhood and sort of juxtaposing the two stories. Um, but it's basically an exploration of questions of faith, mental illness, depravity, and then ultimately, uh, as book two will reveal, it's, it gets a little bit into redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's a pretty clear story arc to the book. It's got like, uh, you know, like each chapter is titled based on the... Um, the actual sequence in, in, in the hero's journey kind of story arc, like very transparently. So it starts off and it's saying it's the stakes and it kind of goes from there. But um, I felt like it was an important uh, comic to kind of bring out there because it's one of those scenarios where, um, where like, I feel like one of the, one of the hardest things when you're a person who like suffers from depression and it also goes into like my wife who at the time was my fiance who, who struggled pretty heavily with uh, panic disorder. And these are really common disorders for like adults. And, uh, and, and one of the most frustrating things when you're going through sort of scenarios like, you know, suicidal ideation or struggling with depressive thoughts um, or, or panic or anxiety is like the lack of people talking about it. Like it's sort of one of those things if you're at a bar with friends, you know, and you're like, Hey, I kind of, I've been thinking about this thing, (laughs) you know, like people quickly change the topic. And, um, and I think it's important for people who are going through that kind of thing to know that they're not alone and that there are ways to kind of cope with those sort of struggles and uh, for people to tell like very honest like stories about those things, because I do remember when I was going through that um, and I still personally suffer from depression, not not to that extent. I've, I've found ways to cope and stuff. Um, and I think that's pretty common for like artists and comedians, like anybody who's doing entertainment. Um, but it's like yeah. uh, no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> totally fine in my basement by myself right now. <laughs> but it's one of those things where I think it's important for people to like kind of destigmatize the topic and really yeah. talk about it very openly because I think it can provide comfort for for people who've, who've gone through it or or are are in the thick of it to um, to not feel like alienated or like like what they're uh, experiencing is like crazy. And I, and it's a topic that I want to see comics. Um, like I, I really strongly believe in the idea of like autobiographical comics and like literary comics. And uh, and uh, some of my favorite comics are those like, you know, like Berlin by J- Jason Lutz. And like there's there's some heavy hitters out there like doing some really brilliant work in comics. And uh, I'm trying to play in that sandbox. I don't know how effectively I'm doing it. No, it's uh, but, to know. talk about, to talk about that for a second. I do think uh, comics, the way, especially at the beginning of this, um, of this book, 
the way that you sort of tell the story and it, it really feels the visual representation really feels like his mind is racing, jumping through yeah. all these different like, styles and sort of like tactical uh, breakdowns of what he's thinking. Like it's, it really hits home so much harder with the visual representation. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's something cool about comics in that sense where like, um, you know, like, I, and this is what I loved about like our crumbs work, like kind of growing up that like drew me to like a lot of indies um, was the idea that like when you read it, um, even if you didn't want to hang out with the guy, <laughs> you know, because um, it's like uh, I think the best uh, memoir is usually pretty um, like no holds barred about like um, the flaws of the person as well. Um, so you're not, you know, like the, the worst auto bio I read is usually like I'm a superhero and, and everybody picks <laughs> on me and this is my story. Um, uh, I think like if you're writing auto bio, you have to be pretty honest about like the, the character traits that like people wouldn't like about you. <laughs> um, but the cool thing about that is when when it's done well it's like it feels like reading you're almost like let into like reading a journal or something of someone and and it, there's a very like intimate thing with comics and i think the visual where it kind of pulls you in and and the textual like can really have a um a deep connection with the with the reader that like you, you can't have um with like just a, a literary but like just a book or uh, a film, like there's something about that process. I, I completely agree. I mean, uh, when, when I was a kid kind of growing up, comics really spoke to me and helped me out. And I got to say, like using the, the black and white medium the way you do and the way it just like transforms as the book co goes on and then come like comes back to what it started is really impressive and kind of really flexes uh, uh, just, to, uh, just because it's a black and white comic doesn't mean it can't do a lot of things artistically just because it doesn't have color. It was really impressive, like the way the story is going, but then also the way the art is going, the, the way those two kind of work together was, was really awesome. And I also wanted to say thank you for opening up and kind of sharing this. I think uh, uh, it's very cool of you to kind of do something so personable, uh, so personal and, 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 and be so open like that. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, like with the art, um, like my favorite comics are in black and white. Like I'm one of those um, strange people who like I don't <laughs> like touch the scholastic version of bone, you know, like <laughs> like why yes. would you destroy that beautiful Jeff Smith artwork? And don't get 100%. me wrong, that colorist is amazing and, yes. and it's great. Mm -hmm. But I want to see that like ink line. Um, and uh, and so like because I love inking and I love black and white art. And when I'm working commercially, like I, I'm a full-time art director too. So it's like, I work in color mm -hmm. all the time. Um, but like, if I get the opportunity and I can like hand letter and hand ink, um, I'll, I'll show like really quick. It's a nerdy oh, thing. But like yes. this is how the pages are done. So it's like, oh, they're like hand letter. Wow, that's hand awesome. <laughs> um, and uh, done with like brush and stuff. Wow. And it's like, I, I feel like, exploiting the the medium for what it what it can do and playing with ink and having fun with that is like i i mean it's something i i intended from the get-go like um for it to be black and white it also has a byproduct of being easier to sell to a publisher because it's less expensive for them to print <laughs> right um but yeah but i i feel like um i'm glad i'm glad i i'm pulling that off because that's that's definitely my intention like i love uh solid black and white comics I feel like autobiocomics are a temple of comics, but or, or used to be. To me, I feel like there are fewer of them now. Is that? Do you think that's true? Um, and why? If so, uh, 
Yeah. So, I mean, like it's, uh, it's, it is true. They, I feel like there have been these really important, you know, like I, like the last big auto bio comic that kind of shook the world was probably like, um, like in the comic world of comics was like maybe fun home by Alison Bechdel, which is brilliant. Right. Um, and I think prior to that, it might've been like blankets. Um, oh, although yeah, I, I, I still feel like Alex Robinson gets like, like mm-hmm. not enough nah. people pay attention to like, hundred percent. We, we had him on the show when we first started like truly 10, 12 years ago. And Pete, one of his favorite books still always too cool to be forgotten. Yeah. yeah. Just great book. Geeked out all over that guy. It was, yeah. he does amazing work. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I feel like the the problem is like the market is really geared against that kind of comic, um, and it's re- a really hard sell for uh, like even when I was pitching this, like I have a literary agent and she was helping me pitch it and stuff, but it's like it went through the whole process. Like all we heard from publishers was we love this, but we can't publish it. Ah. and uh, and ah. then I also kind of knew that going into writing it because it's dealing with really heavy topics. And then it also deals with issues of faith. And, uh, and so it's like this, it, you, you kind of wind up between like a rock and a hard place with like who is willing to kind of put it out, even if they love it. And yeah. so, I mean, I could literally forward, you know, a ton of like rejection letters from publishers where they were like, this is brilliant. It needs to be out, but we're just, we don't see like a place to put uh, it on the shelves. That's infuriating. <laughs> <I'm sure. Yeah. laughs> um, and I get it, you know, cause it's like on, on my casual like night off or something, I'm not usually like running to the box office to watch like a slice of life film. I'm usually going to watch like an action flick or something sure. that like lets me tune out. But I do think it's important um to support indies like this like you know my hopefully mine (laughs) but um also stuff like you know like alex robinson um writers out there that are delving into this area of comics because like in my ideal world and i think you guys are probably right there with me but it's like in my ideal world like we'd walk into like a comic book store and it would have all the sections you see in a bookstore um, yeah. where you have like you have literary fiction you have historical fiction you have um you know uh biography like you have the whole gamut of different genres because like comics are just like a great you know method of storytelling but it'd be a bummer if like the only comics told were just sci-fi and fantasy yeah. um but i remember this daniel klaus quote that that made me feel a little encouraged about indies where he was saying like he used to rail against the comics industry for only being like capes and tights and then uh he realized like um after the films like started exploding it was like oh that's just what people want <laughs> like, um, so it's not just comics you know um and i think that made him feel better and i definitely would agree with that and i i also i mean i think most of us who got into comics like for now like i i mostly read and make like indie like you know slice of life stuff but the thing that got me into comics in the first place was you know like spider-man and like all those yeah all those greats like even the thing that got me into indies was you know like reading spawn and seeing cerebrus and being like who's this dude like this, yeah. this is cool yeah. and then finding dave sim and my mind was like blown you know so yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, i think you touch on that a little bit in the book i mean one of my favorite sections uh it's all great, but the thing that like got me in particular or reminded me of my youth in particular was the back of the day section when you're a kid, you're playing on the playground, uh, playing as Back to the Future, playing as Indiana Jones. And what I think you really got there really well is sort of this ebb and flow of superstardom on the playground yeah. that was just gut-wrenching in exactly the right way. 
I love that. Yeah, I was trying to kind of touch on like playground politics. Mm -hmm. And um, like on a narrative level, it's also about um, like the theme of this is still the mental health thing. And and I think like one of the things that uh, tends to be common with people who suffer from like different mental illnesses is that they overthink. We're overthinkers. And so um, and part of overthinking is also like a control thing, which is probably why I do comics. Like I like having full control. <laughs> like there's no other medium where you have full control over everything. And, and when I was a kid, um, even then, like it was interesting writing it because I was realizing like a lot of my frustrations as a kid were trying to create these games that were like stories that I had full control over wow. and then getting really frustrated that I couldn't keep control over like a group of, of people so that I could have like my little way um, <laughs> with a game. And so like, but a lot of them were exercised through like, you know, expressions of like the, the love I had for popular culture at the time. And also just being a geeky kid, like pre cosplay um, and making <laughs> unwise decisions, like dressing up as Indiana Jones for a full year at school, which I did. <laughs> The whole year. Good for you. Good wow. for you. Yeah, I literally show up to class and uh yeah, it gets into that too. Um a little bit of like the I tried to, you know, coerce like the entire class to go on an archaeological dig to find a um a dinosaur <laughs> in our This in belongs our, in a museum. Program. I don't know. Yeah. This belongs in a museum. <laughs> That's a very popular quote. Now let's go let's go around the horn, like a high point and low point in the playground. Uh, oh my god. You can oh, think man. back. I mean, I, if it's not, go ahead, Justin, you clearly have something top of my your memory. It wasn't a true high point or low point, uh, high point, low point, trying to kick the kickball. My shoe came off very, (laughs) Oh man, truly shattering high point fell off the monkey bars, got a bloody nose, walked off like a king. (laughs) Hmm. That's awesome. Walked off like a king. Walked off like a king. I don't know. Uh, Pete, do you have any? I uh, yeah, I I I got picked on a, a lot in school. I was a spaz, and you know, uh, <laughs> I would I would try to invent games and you know stuff like that. And when uh, people didn't follow along, I would yell at them, and that never ended well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I got yelled. I was in uh, detention a lot and yelled at a lot, uh, and also did a lot of yelling. So it was it was kind of insane. I don't, I don't. It's hard to pick the high and low when it's all kind of madness. Yeah, the, n- neither of these, I think, touch on exactly what you're talking about, Justin, but they're just the first two things that I thought of, both from sixth grade. One was, uh, at the time, I remember very clearly uh, standing around and talking to people, sort of like holding court, explaining why Square One, for a, a math yes. net from Square One, yes. was important television. Important? Wow. wow. Important. Just, just like were, really talking re- about like the court. impact you were reviewing then. you were reviewing i know <laughs> in sixth grade uh low point is probably when there was this girl named liz who thought she was a horse chased me around and i had to hide behind the trailers the entire uh, lunch period uh, oh wow i love it yeah there you go back to your book though <laughs> <laughs> well that does tie into the book though because i mean it does talk about the highs and lows of playground politics so it's uh it's definitely um relevant i think yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, one thing I was curious about, since you're talking about like the second volume is the redemption volume, mm-hmm. did you have any concern about just releasing volume one first when it's essentially the down part? 
I did. <laughs> um, I overrode them by like a few things. Like there's a, like definitely um, when you're talking about suicide, like in, in the way that I'm talking about it in the book, you want to be really careful, right? Because like people can kind of mimic. And, uh, and um, so I, I definitely was very conscientious in like the way that I presented it. And then there's even, you know, at the end, like, of course, like links to the suicide hotline, and um and and sort of like a little afterward that that will hopefully guide people in the right direction and the other thing is i liked the moment of tension that it's leaving i know it's weird but it's like i always think of these things as like artistic like artistically the way i'm like arranging the books and it seemed ideal as like a two volume thing because it's two stories it's told in two styles and it has two juxtaposing narratives and one is sort of like um a loss of faith in humanity and a loss of kind of bearing like mentally. And then the other is sort of theming, like explaining a little bit of why, like it gets into some other heavy topics, like uh, being a victim of violent crime and like some other stuff that kind of led to the moment on the bridge. But, um, but it also gets into redemption and sort of a finding of faith. And, um, and I think like, having those two as like two volumes, like just artistically makes sense. Yeah. Um, because like one kind of leaves on a down note, but it also is sort of like the summary of like, sort of like a worldview, like in that book. And then the other is going to be kind of, so I, I feel like they will be bookended well, mm -hmm. but it is something I was slightly concerned about. I'm less concerned now um, because I've gotten a ton of feedback. Like uh, one of the first people to write, me who had read the comic was somebody who was literally going through uh, suicidal ideation and they thanked me because they found a lot of hope and yeah, encouragement in it. and it's weird but it's like it's almost like a, a sad song can kind of make you feel like mm -hmm. less sad like I don't know like for me I know it's weird to say but it's like if I listen to like Elliot Smith it puts me in a good mood yeah, I'm one of those weirdos, you know, <laughs> where I'm like, well, but I think there's, there's also out. the there's also the part that you're putting down these experiences that you went through and being pretty straight up about that. Yeah. You went through them, but also you created this book and it came out. So yeah. even if it is in very base way, calling it a cliffhanger that you're ending on there, you still know that in some way in the real world that you made it past it somehow. So I think exactly that's still a good note to leave people on. Yeah, it would be even beyond that, just the communion of having these same feelings, like you, we talked about earlier, like isolation is the real problem there, or at least yeah. a part of the problem. So like to e even read someone else being like, oh, I felt that is just the barest bit of connection that, that gets you out of it, maybe. Yeah. And I do think like the, the stigmatization of it is more damaging than kind of not talking about it. Like, I, I think the, the most dangerous thing for encouraging that sort of thing is the type of of scenario where, and I've been there too, where I've had a friend who's at like a low point and I'm talking to them and they bring up something like, Oh, let's talk about, you know, like yeah. trying to kind of keep things positive. And I do think sometimes like just the moment of like sitting with somebody and hearing their story and kind of sharing your own story, like can be really encouraging. Um, I am excited about getting to the second volume though, for that, because I do think um, <laughs> it's, it's nice to like, I, I, and it's funny because like even the second volume is a lot heavier in, in certain points. Um, Cause it gets into like some pretty like violent things <laughs> and, um, and it's pretty brutal. Like, and the way I'm even structuring it is like a nine panel grid where a lot of mm -hmm. it is just going to be like, like 
just constant punches in the face to the reader, <laughs> which is weird wow. as a writer to kind of be structuring, but it's all to kind of gear towards like hopefully a really um, fulfilling kind of conclusion. Um, but I will say like, it, it's, it, um, yeah, I mean, like, I think also just having the author section in the back where you find out, like, I have a kid, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, decade, like a decade later, like, you know, I, I have a son, I have a wife, like, I, um, I'm so thankful I didn't make that fateful decision at the, be at the beginning of that, that that's, some people do. And it's kind of unfortunate. And I think that's why it's important to talk about, because it's, it's unfortunate to me that, like, there are people who, like, within you know, maybe 10 seconds make a decision that they can't take back. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. like, honestly, like a decade later, they're going to look at like, it was an alien person, like not them, right. you know, it's a, it's an interesting experience, experience writing and talking about it. But I, but I do think, um, think it's an important one. I don't know if that, 100%. I'm sorry. I tend to be long winded. Too. No, it, it's know. truly like, it, it means a lot to hear this. Um, that there, We had a situation in my family very recently that this really speaks to me about. So like just hearing you talk about it is just so uh, informative. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you have the first volume just came out. What, what's the timeline generally speaking for the second volume <laughs> at this point? So the first one, like it's the thing that's weird is because I'm a full-time art director and then I do freelance graphic design and illustration. I've done that for like, you know, over 15 years. And um, the first book to, probably took about five years to make because it's oh, like my work time is literally like, um, especially when I had my son like wrapping it up, yeah. it was like, you know, nine o'clock PM <laughs> I punch in and then like yeah, three in the morning I punch out. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> Um, exhausting just hearing you say it is exhausting <laughs> yeah so so um so it took about five years for the first i think it's gonna take a lot less um i'm 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 reworking my working process for the second book although it'll still be hand lettered and and hand inked and still to the same quality but i'm just batching the process a little more so i had the like the first book i had the story arc written out and then I was doing like the writing, like a chapter at a time, like kind of meeting that arc. And then I'd make the art um, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. So now I have like the full script worked out. Now I'm doing like thumbnails and roughs, like, which I, which I live stream on my YouTube channel too. Oh, awesome. Um, awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, and that's fun too. Cause it just ends up being a way to like hang out with other artists or, or people while you're working, you know, cause I'm like, I'm going to be up at like two in the morning anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, uh, so that I'm like, um, I, I have about 110 of the pages, like rough, rough pencils and thumbnails done of like, what will be about 124, whatever signatures of eight, I can end up resolving it in, um, <laughs> or signatures of four. Um, but yeah, so so uh, I, I'm thinking about like a year and a half probably to, to right. finish the second volume, which um, and, and also my son's a little older. So I have a little more of a work time. Um, it gets easier and then it gets worse just as a warning. Oh, really? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, wait, oh, how no. old is your kid now? Um, he's seven. So oh, okay. All right. Actually, it does get easier after this point. Seven is okay. <laughs> you're but good. it's definitely you're easier good. than like the the you know the first year where you're just like in a sleep deprivation tank. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for talking about the book. It's really awesome. Yeah. Uh, and Beautiful book. We will hopefully have you yeah. back on for the second volume when it comes out. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a huge fan of the show, so it means a lot. Ah, awesome. Great talking oh, to you, thank man. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Have a good night.
All right. Once again, that is uh, Josh so Campbell. Good. The book is Two Stories, Book One. And a little note out here to uh, put a bow at the end. Uh, if you or someone you know needs help, call the U.S. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 8255. Or you can chat with them online at their website. And I highly recommend it. Talk to somebody. And uh, now, talk to, speaking of talk talking to people, about. awkward transition into where we talk to you, <laughs> the audience. Nice. For, nice. I, I nailed it. It's awkward. You crushed For it. audience questions. <laughs> all right. There we go. And for audience questions, you all have figured it out. Either drop a question and ask a question, or you can ask a question over the YouTube comments. Man, I'm looking at these comments actually over on Crowdcast, and everybody loved that. Yeah. And I, I, just have a, did. I have a question, Alex. It. I have a question, Alex, just real quick yeah. to kick us off. Are you cool? Are you all right? Are you, are you cool? <laughs> uh, you're you're a couple rectangles over from me. So what do you uh, What are you drinking there, Zalps? Oh, great question. Uh, Justin's going to love this one. I'm drinking oh, no. a Flying Dog Cream Team cookies cream and cream team. cookies what? and cream milk stout. Let me say for a that sounds uh, gross and it has a gross name to finish it off. <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah, it has like a little bit of a like a cookies and cream like an Oreo cream finish to it. Oh, Ooh. good. Uh, that's really good. What's the middle like? Uh, in it, the beginning, the beginning tastes like a little, it's like a chocolate stout with a little bit of a cream finish. It's very good. Wow. Taking <laughs> Justin, Pete uh, silently offering <laughs> the crisp. Very good. Yeah, Justin had that on. I figure I'll give it a try. You know, Justin knows beers. That's right. Justin knows beers. That's why Justin is drinking a little Miller High Life, which that finish is like the bar, um, your favorite oh, dive, yeah. the floor of your favorite dive bar yeah. at 4, 10 a.m., which is Woo! right where I want to be right now. Oh, Give me nice. a dive bar, baby. I want to play some beers. I want to play pool on a table where there's only six balls for some reason. <laughs> Great question. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, go to some questions here from First Hand Up Guy. Have you ever had such a strong emotional reaction to a comic book that you talked about it in therapy? Uh, no judgment. Ooh. I absolutely have done this. Wow. <laughs> this show is my therapy, so I do that constantly yes. um, every week. Uh, I'm trying to think of... Uh, I mean, the, the emotional responses I have, I feel like, are right in the moment. And it, I, I guess I haven't had a reaction to a comic where I've been, like, stuck on it, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Where I'm right, like, I right. need to uh, get, get it out there. Stu <laughs> comment from Observer, you all need to get in therapy. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Is it, does anyone know this commenter? in? The, the <laughs> uh, anyone know this? Someone named Liwana? Does anyone know who this person Liwana, is? Liwana, I mean, to be perfectly honest, um, I, I don't go to therapy. I probably should. But I think you are right, Justin, that like if I have an emotional reaction to comic... I work it out on the show with you guys. 100%. That's why I'm paying you 60 bucks an hour. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's why we always sat on a couch in the, at the People's mm -hmm. Improv Theater. Exactly. Because Pete and I were on the couch. Alex is in a chair playing therapist, telling yeah. us what's wrong with our feelings. Well, Pete, I think your opinion on the Punisher goes back to your mother. No, I, what I like about this idea is that uh, there is something about seeing something that can either stick with you or hopefully you talk to somebody and kind of get to the bottom of why does this bother me? Like, why is this kind of stuck in my head or what's behind this? And I think that's the important thing about like 
uh, talking stuff out. Um, I'm uh, trying to find a therapist that will take me. It's a, it's not easy, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think uh, you know it's one of those things where like to explore this idea of like what what about this is kind of triggering me or what about this is kind of setting me off is something uh, cool to kind of look into and get to the bottom of because so- there's a reason. You're saying, Pete, that 14 years of us making fun of you for the things that you get upset about hasn't been helping? Yeah. I think it's a, I think you, you right. need a therapist to talk about what happens here. <laughs> or you need to read comic books as therapy to talk about what happens here. Oh, my God. Uh, Oof. <laughs> Are you what crying? That? No, Are you I crying? Just Did you just throw up on the floor? Face. What happened yeah, there? Yeah, I just spilled oh, okay. some beer in my face there. Oh, very cool. I have a drinking <laughs> it's, not tears. it's not tears. It's just beer hey, in my face. The yes, first step is getting that beer off your face, all right? Okay. And then Thanks. you can move on from there. Let's move over to a question here from YouTube. Eddie C says, are you guys watching WandaVision theories, opinions? Are we watching WandaVision? Eddie, my friend, we do a podcast every week called Marvel Vision. Take it easy. Don't s- slam the person. No, I'm not. This is a great question. I love the tee up. We do yeah. doing a podcast called Marvel Vision that is in the comic book club feed on the YouTube channel, in its own feed, uh, where we talk about WandaVision. Wake up way too early. It wrecks me all weekend. Surely. Like, cannot recover. <laughs> Man, uh, but we're going to be doing I'm the so same glad thing. I got to sleep in last time. It was such a nicer week, and it was... Oh, my oh, God. No. Jesus. Uh, but we're going to be doing the same thing with Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well, going we forward are? as well as... Yeah, we are. We've talked Fuck. about this at Loki down the road and all that good stuff. Uh, but uh, let, let's talk about it. WandaVision... Theories, opinions, how are you feeling halfway through the week away uh, before the final episode? What's your take on the show so far? Well, I mean, I think we're going to get a big, uh, I still think we're going to get a big cameo. I think we're going to get, I think we're not going to get a big revelation like the Fantastic Four, Reed Richards stuff, but I do think we're going to get a cameo that's specifically targeted towards setting up the Doctor Strange movie, whether that's Mephisto, like we all want. Fuck you. Do you think maybe the Camino set up the Doctor Strange movie might be Doctor Strange? Interesting. It's Mm -hmm. hard enough to work. That would be a good Easter egg. You'd be like, oh, I wonder if he's going to show up in Doctor Strange (laughs) 2. I'm hoping for the last episode, we kind of get the showdown where we get uh, all the good guys lined up on one side and all the bad guys on the other and kind of like face off and kind of figure out who's who. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sick of this. Who's that? Is that what the shadow stuff? Let's get all out there so we can figure out what's going mm-hmm. on. I the thing that I am most nervous and excited about with this finale is to see how they bring it together. And I of course I want to see that MCU big battle thing, but how are they gonna say it the emotional themes? How are they gonna bring it back like we talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but are they going to do a thing where they tear through the different eras of sitcom and it just sort of falls through there? Like, yeah. so, well, even while they're fighting, like, will there be a way to mix all of that together in a satisfying way where it satisfies the people that got into the show who said, I never liked anything MCU, but I love what they're doing here. And then also the people who've watched MCU and are like, yeah, give me those slab bag fights. So I think they're going to do it. I'm cautiously optimistic, but that's the thing that kind of makes me nervous and excited about the finale right now. Yeah. I mean, I, they're going to go big. Like they've yeah. spent the last two episodes doing so much, three episodes really doing so much setup that I think it is going to be, it's, it's Marvel. Like I think they're going to just bash everything apart in an exciting way. Yeah. 
Uh, I love the comments here where it's like, stop talking about mental health, now time for WandaVision. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. I think that's more of a criticism of our uh, short conversation about mental health. Oh, well, sure. also, you know, I mean, Wanda is going through something. So I think that's also what the comments are about. Like, the show is also kind of about mental health and yes. Wanda kind of, uh, uh, you know, breaking a little bit and maybe, uh, you know. So I haven't really what... picked up on that, but I, I guess I'll think about it a little bit. Thanks, Pete. You should talk to somebody, guy. <laughs> seems like you need to talk to somebody. Guy. I don't know what you're talking about. Yay. Uh, going back uh, to YouTube over here, uh, Scott Carpenter, thank you for the tip. And uh, who are some comic book-related people that you want to have as guests that haven't been on the show yet? Oh, my God. Ooh, good question. We've had 14 years of shows. Yeah. Do we want to count... This is a very silly thing, but do we want to count Comic-Con interviews? Sure, yeah. Yes, I think Oh, so. okay, we can count that, too, because the first one that came to mind, like, we've never had Grant Morrison or Mark Miller on but the show. But we talked to Grant Morrison. But we Morris. talked to them, exactly. Yeah. I would love to get Neil Gaiman, I, you know, uh, that would be amazing to be able to I talk can't to handle him. Yeah. I can't handle him. Yeah, you talked to Neil Gaiman. You interviewed Neil Gaiman. You I interviewed Neil Gaiman, and Alex watched from the side and was like, you jackass, I can see the hearts yeah. coming off your head every time you, you looked him in the eyes. Um, I was like, I Listen, know, sometimes I in my head, I think about your reaction interviewing Neil Gaiman and what it was like at your wedding, and there's just no comparison. <laughs> wow. Cool it, dude. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to be in couples therapy uh, faster um, than regular therapy. Yeah, uh, Josh actually says the one... Uh, Pretty sure Moore was a guest on the Watchmen show, right? That's the problem. We did this podcast called Watch and Watch. Alan Moore was supposed to show up, but he never actually came to the show. He was yeah. yeah Justin said he could get him on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I made so a hopefully someday. Hopefully Watchmen season two, we can get Alan Moore on. Crumb would be amazing. Crumb, nice. yeah. yeah. God, I don't know. This is yeah. I, this is very much like. Not even a humble brag; it's a brag. But we've had so many people on the show, and we've interviewed so many people. I don't. I have an answer that uh, yeah. that comes that spins right out of our interview earlier. Jeff Smith. I don't think we've ever mm, talked to him, true. and I love love Bone. Uh, yeah, yeah, you do. Uh, yeah, we, we talk. Uh, with one Carton. other thing that I, I will say, like this is sort of a side answer, but one of the things that I've really been enjoying about doing these virtual shows is it's not like ultimate get people but titles we've been talking about a lot on the stack that we get very excited about that are new for one issue or two issues that we're able to get those people to come on and talk about it and not be like hey when are you going to be in new york a couple of years from now cool we'll talk to you then yeah. Yeah. that we're actually able to get and talk to them now that's been very exciting for me uh while i'm very jazzed up about a comic at the same time we could actually chat about it with the person who's making you it have been especially jazzed lately i've been Alex. so yeah. jazzed yeah, there there are a ton of people that do great stuff that we would love to talk to. I've always wanted to get the math genius Sugar on. That would be un mm. unbelievable. He did a book where there's like all these different outcomes possible, like has all these tabs on it. And also he did that. Uh, what's it called? Uh, book Hunter, which is book my, Hunter. One of my oh, favorite. Yeah, yeah, you love that one. Yeah. All right. Question here from Jay Citizen. If I give Pete my Paramount Plus password, will you guys do a Star Trek podcast? Um, oh, whoa, wow. Uh I'm gonna say no. Well let me throw this out there. I've never I don't have a hard answer here. What are your Trek bona fides, you two? Are oh, you guys man. Trekkies or what's the deal? I mean, yeah. I've I hate to say this out loud, but I've just seen the Star Trek movies. I haven't really Oh that that's yeah, such a so. weird that's such a weird way in. 
only yeah. the movies? Even yeah. the Next Generation movies? No, no, not. I'm talking about the more recent ones. Um, oh, just the the J.J. Abrams ones? Yeah. Jesus, yeah. get out of yeah. here. The only one you've seen is Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, what about you, Alex? Uh, every movie, several times, all of the series, I've written incessantly about them. I've been to the set of Star Trek Discovery. I've been to conventions. I don't know. I I definitely like Star Trek is one of those things, though, to be perfectly frank, that I always feel like I could never be fat enough. I was on... Yeah. A couple of years ago, I was guesting on some podcast to talk about Star Trek, and I was like, I don't know, I'm more of a casual fan. And they were like, you're not a fucking casual fan, asshole. And I was like, I know, but I always feel like that. Because even like at work, when I'm writing about an episode of Star Trek Discovery, I get terrified of getting any detail wrong because there's such a long history. And I'll write other recaps, and I'll be like, yeah, okay, I got this in my brain. That's fine. I'll just check the cast list on IMDb to make sure I got the spellings right. But whenever I'm writing about Star Trek, invariably I have like 30 tabs open in my browser because I'm like, all right, were the tribbles at the same time yeah. as this? And this? How does that tie into the temporal war on Enterprise? Ugh. So, well, I also think people who are fans of other stuff in addition to Star Trek, it feels like you're less of a fan because they're those, those people that are just fully siloed into Star Trek. Yeah. But I, I'm a next generation guy. I rewatch next generation every couple of years it's so fucking good and yeah great comment here from eduardo i think someone who has never seen star trek might know more about it than someone who has only seen the abrams movie <laughs> <laughs> legit that's legit that's fair uh but the answer is no i don't think we do a star trek podcast mainly for the reason that i'm saying of like it's such a deep dive that you can't be like yeah i'm gonna casually watch strange new worlds or lower decks and do a podcast about that you just gotta go deep on it or not at all yeah i don't know uh ooh, we got a ghibli question probably for you pete over here on the tube from nelson martinez on the ghibli theme i love princess mononoke today and it's my favorite so far what do you guys think and for pete i got nasica uh nasica Nasica, you sorry. <laughs> there, was that a purposeful stumble? There, no, I'm wow, just not a, I'm not a Ghibli nerd. Uh, lined up for tomorrow. What can I expect? Pete, give a Nasica preview. Well, I do it right that time? Expect, yes. Expect uh, an amazing female lead who has a heart of gold that will win you over and can <laughs> stop a war with her love. Um it's just such a beautiful telling. I love the kind of the the way the animals kind of like play a role. Uh, I just it's my favorite. It's my happy place. So uh, please watch it with an open mind. I love hearing Pete talk about something that he loves that doesn't have is it poisoned by like the a Punisher continuity oh, thing. <laughs> I mean, <that's laughs> but like Mephisto hasn't ruined Nausicaa yet. I mean, he'll pop up, obviously. Oh, no. uh, but like, yeah, it's a pure love. And I love seeing, I love seeing Pete in love. Oh. Uh, question here from Hollywood Homer on Crowdcast. Can we get a three-part weekly series of the wives, girlfriends, partners of comic book club hosts, interviews extravaganza? Whoa. Oh God! How would that yeah. even go? I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. we joked one time about having our significant others uh, uh, either on or host it, and I think that would be fun. They should just do it without us. Yeah, yeah, that'd be. Nice. Just take a break for once. Yeah, <laughs> them do the work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I could be blowing up the comments, being like, "Hey." <laughs> uh, um, 
I mean, I got to give shouts to Luana, who is like, is it at the show a lot in the comments hanging out? I feel like my wife doesn't know about this anymore. <laughs> hey, your wife used to go all the time. She would be at shows. Was it 100%. Absolutely? Yeah, but somebody's got watch. While you're here, somebody's got to watch the kids, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, make sure that nobody's you can be in the, you, you could be in the comments upstairs. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, weigh in. Ask a question. Uh, Here we got a gimme for you, Justin, from the YouTube comics Chase the Archer's thoughts on the big Avatar The Last Airbender universe news. It's being headed by the OG creators. Wait, what? Uh, So, oh, Pete, you don't know about this. Okay, so this was part of Paramount Plus's big, ludicrously long launch uh, thing that they did where they talked about all the new shows that they're putting on Paramount Plus, all the old stuff that's going to be on there, etc. And sort of side but connected to the announcement is that Nickelodeon is bringing back Brian and Michael, the creators of Avatar and Korra, who nice. were very unhappy with the live-action movie, left the live-action Netflix thing, and are starting their own Avatar Studios as part of Nickelodeon. They're all... And they're going to be creating shorts... New animated series, feature-length movies, movies yeah. all for e- everywhere, basically. Nickelodeon, Paramount+, Plus, probably Netflix, nice. wherever, that, maybe the that's theater. Great. We'll see. So, Justin, over to you. What do you think about this news? So, so excited. Uh, is there any other reaction? Wildly pumped um, <clears throat> to see them get to have, like, a free hand to take the story. I mean, the jump from Avatar to Korra was such an expanse. They opened up the world, had so many different creative executions of what sort of the Avatar world would be like after some time had gone by. I can't imagine all the ideas they've saved up in the years since Korra finished. Very excited to hear where they take it. What is your, what's your number one, if you could have just one series or the first series you want to see out of it? Oh, man. I you going to ask a different question. That's hard. Wait, Pete, what question did you think I was going to ask? I thought you were going to say, which uh, character would you be in the last episode? And I was just... <laughs> That's <laughs> What's your answer? Well, I mean, it's tough, but I got to go with Appa. Interesting. <laughs> Appa? You want to be writ- ridden by everyone? <laughs> well, Appa's a, just a giant, beautiful soul that all <laughs> that he does is help mm-hmm. and give. And, you know, Appa's just... Uh, the, you can't do any of that without Appa. I, yeah. None I of that happens without a hundred percent. Appa's lost days is that the episode that is just mm-hmm. the beautiful awesome. one, Emmy. Um, Pete, when, I, when I, I hate Appa, to tell you, when they took Appa, I was fucking. Oh, I was so mad. I oh, I couldn't sleep. I hate to. T- I couldn't sleep. I hate to tell you, Pete. You may dream of being Appa, but you are tough all day, air day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, tough is glorious. Uh, <laughs> wait, so what series would you want to see, Justin? Do you have a uh, pitch? Legit, I just want to see the next iteration after Korra. Where does the world mm. go? I want to see Korra in that series uh, older. I want to do the same thing they did with Korra again and just see where that takes us. I got a pitch for you More guys. Korra. This is the, here's what I'd like to see. Here's what I think would be cool. Same way, kind of like piggybacking off of what you're saying, Justin, where one of the things that I really liked about Korra is they jumped so far ahead technologically that we got a very new, very different view of the world while still connecting back to Avatar The Last Airbender. I want to see them go even further and have a series called The Last Avatar. And so it's somebody where the world technologically, everything has completely moved on. They don't need the Avatar anymore. 
Wait, that's your pitch? You don't you want to see a world where we don't need the Avatar? Well, where I'm cool. saying, like, the, no, hold that'd on, be hold awesome. On. No, Avatar hold on. The Avatar off. idiot is obviously part of it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> How does it feel when someone pushes your butt? Yeah. Real bad. Yeah. Uh, but no, my point is that, like, I think one of the things that was so cool about Korra is you had all these things where they had cars suddenly, like, and they had yeah. ways of storing up the energy and they didn't Boiler. need the benders quite as much. So, what do you do if you're the avatar? And it seems like the world doesn't need you until it does. Yeah. I think that would be cool. We, we get into comment, internet comment bending and other mm-hmm. new, uh, new <laughs> forms of bending. Actually, <laughs> um, and you know, if I, okay, Alex, what's it, your character? Um, Pete gave us Oppo yeah, when yeah. what he really meant was Tom. Oh, a cabbage salesman, I think. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, yeah, dude, he has a rough life. You sure way you to be that? real. Oh, cabbages! oh, that poor, that's such a great oh, running bit, Justin. Who are you? I know who you think you are. Wow, yeah, I want to be Aang, obviously. Oh, really? You're Saka. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's fair. That's, that's fair. fucked up. You just called them Sokka, man. <laughs> no, I'll take fucked it. That, that's right. Uh, I'm stuck in a tiny hole just trying to get my boomerang back. That's very oh, accurate. Oh, man. Uh, great. Uh, Let's go to another question over here. This is from Kevin. What's a name from comics, character, location, whatever, that you've always pronounced one way only to see an adaptation canonized in a different pronunciation? For example, I don't think a lot of ni- mid-90s Star Wars fans pronounced Coruscant the way episode one later would. Mm. I feel like we have a million examples. Of yeah, that. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm I mean, very shitty at mispronouncing d- things. Dark side, people say dark seed. Yeah. Or you've been one of you. I always did that. You said dark seed. Yeah, I said dark seed until I realized, oh, wait, actually, dark side makes more sense. Uh, Edward Doty points out Magneto, uh, Magneto. Yeah. That's crazy. Way. Magneto all day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which other ones? <laughs> Um, I mean, is this a response I, to the Ghibli Ghibli uh, debate from earlier? Well, I had uh, I used to butcher Usagi Ojimbo. You speak- there was there was one. I'm I'm going to get it wrong because I actually don't remember how he pronounced it. But Shang Chi is not actually pronounced Shang Chi. Kevin Feige, when he was announcing and talking yeah. about the movie, it's uh, again I'm going to butcher it, but it's something like Shang Shai. Or something yeah. like that. So we've definitely been pronouncing that one wrong as well. Mm. Yeah. And mm. I always said Batman. <laughs> That's wrong. Speederman. Uh, there we go. There's some answers. Uh, do, do, do. Oh, all right. Hold on. This is from Eduardo. It says, picking up on a recent topic of the Slack. Patreon.com slash comic book club. Go check it out. Any thoughts on the role of publishers like Image Boom and Dark Horse in the current comic landscape? Do you miss Vertigo or mm. other defunct imprints? Justin, I think you wait on, on this one, and I, I liked your take on it. Uh, I mean, of course I miss Vertigo, but I do think um, places like um, Image, Dark Horse, um, Boom have really picked up the, the slack and have expanded their the books they're publishing to really sort of absorb those series that would have been like vertigo star series. Yeah. Um, we talk about a ton of those books on the stack. Yeah. But it's also like we were talking with uh, uh, Josh about like the indie feel is something that like 
is what's great about comics like just the fact that there's a comic book for everybody there's different styles there's different takes and what's nice about other publishers is they don't have to have the muscly uh perfect you know perfect looking people uh you can have other things and tell great stories and, and use art and imagination in different ways that's not the kind of like cookie cutter stuff so there's I, I love all the other kind of uh, comic books. Uh, you know, Omnipress is one that we didn't mention, but like they do really great stuff and uh, tell stories that others wouldn't. So uh, I'm just so happy that they all are around and are trying to share amazing stuff. Yeah, the great thing about Vertigo back in the day is that they're, they told interesting stories and the, those comics stood on the racks right next to your regular DC comics. And I think for a while that was hard to get with these other publishing companies because they just weren't in the same, didn't have the same exposure. But I think that's changed now. Like I think image, like we said, IDW, even we talked about like they they're up there on the rack uh, right alongside the, the mainstream books. Absolutely. Uh, Justin question for you well, over on YouTube from easy reader. Justin, did Johnson you get your stuff. tooth fixed? Great question. Um, yes. So I, uh, it broke. It, it got it fixed. Then it broke again over the weekend when I ate a piece of very crusty toast. Huge mistake. Shattered. I had to, it was in. How burnt is your toast that it broke a tooth? I mean, what are you doing to your toast over there, man? I like a crispy toast. I don't uh, want, I, I lightly, be, lightly no. toasted. Well, you're dude. eating Come bread. On. Sir, you're eating bread. If it's not brown, it's not oh, toast. No, <laughs> it can be a very light brown. I like I a like light, soft. I like a light bacon and a hard toast. And that's me. <laughs> oh, and man. that's me. Oh, uh, there we go. Uh, Broken into two pieces so that for the all day Sunday and Monday on the Zoom calls I was on, I had jammed these two pieces into my mouth. I looked like a psychopath. <laughs> but it was worse without them. Um, and then it I was. Gotta, I got to say, like, I've known you for a very long time. Uh, when you had the little bit missing in your tooth, I, it was hard to. You didn't respect. Li- yeah, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> you don't respect. I wasn't hearing what you were saying. I, I thought you were a loser. Like, uh, yeah, it was no. just Pete. But, literally, I you you hit it well, Pete. But you would look at me and be like, "What's with this guy?" For those of you who don't know, I, 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 I broke a crown a couple weeks ago, and I've been slowly. I get the full crown comes in next week. So I had this is still a fake and it could break at any moment. So oh, wow, exciting. Put a lot of liquid, bro. Keep <laughs> a lot it of a liquid diet. Show. Uh, we got a question here from Nick Grayson. Favorite safety film you can watch that makes you feel good? Also, always impressed by Alex's cold reading. What about a box of biscuits, a box of mixed biscuits, and a biscuit mixer? What? What? What just happened? Uh, Nick was trying to trip me up. He did a little bit yeah, by saying, yeah. uh, what about a box of biscuits, a box of mix, mixed biscuits? Oh, See, that's Alex. the part. That's the part that got me. Yeah, yeah. It got a, you box again. Mis- Woo! a box of biscuits, a box of mix- mixed biscuits? Oh, See, that part's hard. And you were classically hard. trained. Yeah. I was trying. Whiskey uh, but favorite safety film you can watch that always makes you feel good? I mean, Tommy Boy, obviously. Uh, you got Ghostbusters. Um, one that I just went back to recently, Big Trouble in Little China. I mean, there, there's, so, it doesn't hold up as well, but it's still good in certain ways. The trouble's I, not as big or is China too small? 
Well, I, what was funny was it took this time around to realize the reason he calls himself the Pork Chop Express is because he has pigs in the truck. I didn't realize that. I just thought it was a fun nickname he had for himself. Mm. Definitely. We all know what you're talking about. I guess I would say mine is <laughs> Joe versus the Volcano. Oh, uh, yeah. That's your go-to. Yeah. Um, or the movie Bottle Rocket, uh, Wes Anderson. Oh, really? Uh, just a point of order. Kevin is saying what you mean about safety film, and that's if like the sex is getting a little too nasty. You put on the entire film, and then when the film is over, they stop. <laughs> yeah. What? You're yeah. like, whoa! I, I'm gonna quick. I'm gonna put on Armageddon, and when you get to the end of Armageddon, please stop. Great movie. <laughs> Great movie. I mean, also watching that will stop any sex from. <laughs> I don't know when it gets to that uh, animal crackers thing. Oh, so erotic when Ben Affleck is like, stop this, can I put this fucking... cracker down your pants? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, man. You you guys are just the worst. Wow, this Great. is true. What's your safety film? Oh, you What's said my safety be, film? Yeah. I don't tend to rewatch things. I think, like, uh, I brought... Oh, okay, whoa, Mr. Whoa, Big whoa, Brain. Whoa, whoa, Bullshit. That's bullshit, and you know it. What do I rewatch, Pete? I don't know. Maybe a movie you went to go see on your birthday? Oh, Labyrinth? Yeah, Labyrinth. Sure. <laughs> Labyrinth, oh, Princess oh, Bride, all the Star Wars movies. There you go. Open up and tell us the truth. No! Wow. Pete, get a good killer. I'm paying you for this time. Yeah. Jesus, <laughs> I'm from Cornell. I don't re-watch things. <laughs> it's all right here in my giant, expensive brain. <laughs> oh, my God. Pete, literally on fire right now. I think the therapy is doing good. You're coming up swinging. Uh, question here from First Hand Up Guy. If I give you guys my DVDs, will you do a Lost <laughs> podcast? It's a fun theme. But this is a Lost podcast? Yeah. I'll, do, I'll, do I'll a tell you what. Podcast. That we don't need them. Oh, uh, <laughs> Look at this guy. I got, I got oh. it right here. Wow. There we go. All the DVDs oh. are in there. You open up the top. Let's see? Yeah, no, we saw that part. It says lost lost again. That was, yeah, yeah, you already showed that. There's this, there's a little puzzle thing. You're going to flex, fucking show us something. What the fuck are you doing This is not it. This is is the worst part of the podcast, right? We're (laughs) listening to you fumble through shit. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's too difficult. Just like Lost, this mystery box is too difficult to open. This this is worse than Lost. Do we have a sounder for something that's a not flexed? (laughs) Yeah. Alongside nut flexed? There's a map of the island that's really cool. That is a nice map of the island okay god i wish we were on the playground and you were holding court Alex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i give you a wedgie thanks yeah oh. <laughs> right on time or maybe the smoke monster would give you a wedgie and then be meaningless in the end i think i, I would say answer. i would say in all honestly I would never do a lost podcast with you guys. Why? You <laughs> afraid? You know, you know, you know you ready make to it, Justin, you would make it a living nightmare. That's right. I demanded a polar bear explanation at every moment. <laughs> That's amazing. I want to know about Walt's fucking comics now. <laughs> and yes, I have that reference right here because it still doesn't make sense and they left wow. us hanging. Uh, Asia Jada wants to know on YouTube did you happen to have that lost box at handy or was that a plant? No, I actually had that handy. Yeah, there's no yep. plant. It's I very funny it... that Pete has Nausicaa you have lost. Like... <laughs> what do you got big guy? Yeah, what, what do you, do you got? got? Oh, wait. Oh, 
Wow. <laughs> highlight. Show your sign Another Miller highlight. The, there we go. You got the sign behind it matching it. Come on, man. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's mine. Is uh, You can't yeah, really the, see it's too bright, but the Miller High Life uh, yeah. neon. neon sign. That's how much you miss bars. You turn on neon signs yeah. in your basement. <laughs> I made a tiny bar here. If yeah. I lived in your neighborhood, um, I would show up and be like, I see a neon sign. Can I get a beer? Yeah, just slam $5 down on my uh, basement. Yep. All right, let's wrap up. One last question here from Cody Thomas. What's a long-running show that you think still ended too soon? Pete, what's a show that ended too soon? Hmm. Wow. Uh, well, hey. Pete, I don't want to take Pete's answer because he's going to say Krypton. No. But <laughs> <laughs> Nope. Go ahead. What were you going to say, Justin? No, I didn't have an answer. I was just trying to make that joke about Krypton oh, before okay. you said your real answer. I uh, mean, I would say probably Lost would be. <laughs> oh, my God. My <laughs> too answer. soon? That ended too soon? You wanted more? Mm-hmm. Wow. There were still a couple of tattoos on Jack they didn't explain. Yeah. Whoa, there's another hatch. Whoa. I would like. <laughs> oh, we I should like... open it. I would like Sopranos to go maybe five more minutes. Would have been nice. Oh, ooh, good. <laughs> That's a good answer. Uh, also, uh, I would say Captain Bucky O'Hare was cut cut too short. We didn't have mm-hmm. enough of that. Yeah, yeah they were more. just just getting into the mythology. Yeah, yeah. Now. yeah. Uh, man, I don't know. There's not a lot Twin of shows Peaks? that I feel like uh, they let, ran ten seasons, and I could have had more seasons of that. You know, there's. Certainly, lots of like one season shows or two season shows that should have gotten farther, but yeah. the society let me throw it out there. <laughs> Come on, Alex, back me up. That's my lost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus! And I have the box set of uh, <laughs> society <laughs> right here. What you've got, wow, you got there the album go. there. And that's it for your audience questions. Ooh. Now we're going to move to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, holy shit. I'm going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All right. Papa LePage. All right. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win $25 free dollars in the form of Midtown Comics Online. So if you would like a chance to win $25 free dollars, simply raise your hand in the comments on YouTube or Crowdcast, wherever you are. Just say and- hi. Oh, here we go. Cody, Cody wants to do it. Let's we got it. Cody in the house, ready to do some trivia. With the star of trivia himself. Well, I don't say it enough that Pete no, is the star of trivia. Say it, you say it plenty. And if you no, want to come for the star, this. you best not miss because this guy <laughs> has been has been doing enough trivia. For- hey, oh, how are you? Hey, Cody. How are you? Thanks for coming in the stream. Uh, Pete, take it away. All right, great. Uh, so... T- Welcome. Today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Bill Withers. All right, so I'm going to read you a question, listen to all three possible answers, get all three questions right. $25 will be yours. Okay, here we go. Question number one. What DC character is brought back from the dead in Infinite Frontier number zero? Is it A, Dead Man, B, Roy Harper, shout out to Arrow, or is it C, Aisha Tyler? So it's either mm. A, Dead Man, or it's B, Roy. I'm going Arrow, B. Yes. Nice. Smart. Smart. Good this is very tough. Go that, that Arrow. Comic, that comic came out today. Yeah. <laughs> or, oh yeah, this day. Yeah. Okay. Uh, question number two What DC character could be dead? Because of Infinite Frontier number zero. Is it A, Penguin, B, Bane, 
or is it C, Matthew Gray Glubber? So it's either A, don't pick it, or it's B. I'm going to go B. Nice. Yes, you are correct. Bane could be dead. What about Matthew Glubber? (laughs) Pete, I want to know information, more information about Glubber. Are is he related about... to is he related to Danny Glubber? No, no, it's a different glub. <laughs> or got, the the Robin Williams movie Flubber? No, that's <laughs> uh, what you're doing there. All right, here we go. Come on. All right, last one. Chris and Laura Samney are teaming up to write what amazing Ani Press comic is it? A. Jonah and the Unpossible Monsters number one. B. Samantha is the boss number one. Or is it C. Elizabeth Bogish. So it's either A and $25 of yours or it's B. Let's go A. A is correct. $25. Congrats, Cody. Amazing, Cody. Great job. Shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. You're going to get $25 to Midtown Comics to spend however you like. Thank you for coming into the stream. All right. Have a good night. You too. Great to see you, man. All right. Wait, Pete, I, I got to know about Glubber and Bobish. Yeah. <laughs> These okay. made-up names you just said. They're not made-up names, okay? The the last three are a hint, and of course, it's a 2016 hit episode of Criminal Minds, The Sandman. Wow. What? Yeah. Pete, <laughs> you... <laughs> You've really drifted off the map when it comes to <laughs> talking about stuff well, anybody knows about. Here's here's the thing, okay? Bill Withers, amazing musician. I mean, mm. come on, Grandma's hands. That was that was so moving and touching. Sure, but uh, we all know that wasn't yes. in movies, you know. But he did make a cameo on television. So go fuck yourself. Great. All right, fair um, enough. Real, there's a there's a controversy I'm bubbling up here in the comment section as well. Yeah. I should say, um, uh, recent trivia winner Liwana. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure this is the same Liwana that we've mentioned earlier um, and is maybe dating you. What, um, what, I, she said, what? I just realized I never got my $25 for being on trivia recently. Um, and it's, yeah, as, as we've talked about this before, it takes a little bit to get to you. It takes more than a week. We're sorry, but you're so going to get your money. I just point out that she hasn't gotten the money for trivia, but you do seem to have a fancier beer than normal, Pete. Is there some correlation there in any way? How... How am I getting money? You're the one who has the fucking money, guy. You dole out the money. Don't fucking point this over here. Pete. Going deep. He'll take down this whole podcast if he yeah, has to. That's right. He doesn't give a fuck. And I just want to say, Cody uh, was real happy to be on the live show. So thank you, Cody. Yeah, thank you, yeah, Cody, for very doing nice. it. For, for putting yourself through Pete making up several names. And, to mention no, no. an episode of Criminal Minds. And, and uh, you, guys sh- you guys know who he is. He's Bill Murray's intern from Life Aquatica. He's Nico. What? The lover. That's the actor's name. <laughs> Stop talking about that. Like, we know Glubber. Okay, uh, okay, Pete, here it is. I dare you. Next quiz. All about Glubber. No Give problem. us the Glubber triumvirate. All right. Excellent. Very excited to hear all of this. Now, as we all know, tomorrow is a new comic book day, unless you're talking about DC Comics. Those are already out. But what are you guys looking forward to, Pete? Well, I'll tell you what. There's a lot of cool stuff coming out. But I was really impressed with uh, Demon Days, X-Men number one. Yes. From Marvel Comics. Yeah. Uh, Justin, what about you? You know, it's a uh, it's a tough call, um, as usual. Because um, I, 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 I Wait, just I, let me buy you some time. I just want to say... 
thank you for saying Marvel Comics because usually when you say X Men, people scratch their heads. But it's good that you finished it. We're like, well, the you Marvel gave Comics. no other details other than saying Demon Days X Men number one. So I figured I'd help out a little bit. Oh well, thank yeah. you for that help, uh, Justin. Did we dance enough for you to come up with an answer? You guys really danced. That's valuable. Can we snip that last little bit out and release it as a separate podcast? I think the people want to hear it uh, as a standalone. Um, I'm going to give it up for the Swamp Thing number one from Ooh, uh, from really? DC Comics, Detective Comics, Comics. Um, I uh, really like this reboot. Shaking it up a little bit, it gets into. Um, uh, just a new version of Swamp Thing. It feels very much in the same tone as what the Future State book that I like so much. And I'm going to give it up for Noctera, number one, from Image oh, Comics. This is by Scott call. Snyder and Tony S. Daniel. They did a big Kickstarter about it. We had Scott on the show a couple of months back to talk about this book, among other things. Uh, and that's how from Image Comics tomorrow. It's about a post-apocalyptic world without any sun. Very excited to talk about all those books on the Stack Podcast, which is in the Comic Book Club feed or its own dedicated feed Wednesdays yep. at... And- just to remind you, we are fully nude when we tape that. <laughs> Completely nude. And our cameras uh, are widened out, so we're just we're fully uh, exposed. And, and again, guys, that's our therapy. <laughs> that is it for this week's show. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Curtis Cloud for being on the show. Check out Slightly Exaggerated on Kickstarter right now. Also, Joshua Campbell of Two Stories Book One, yeah. which is out yeah. now. Uh, so definitely good. check out both of those books. Uh, next week on the show, we are going to have a packed show. Matt Kent and Warren Simons are going to be here to talk yes. about Bad Ideas Enac. Also, Ricardo Delgado is going to be here to talk about Dracula of Transylvania. Oh. So I hope you're not too scared of that, Pete. Yeah, don't be scared. All right, I might be. <laughs> yeah, you don't like Dracula. A couple of things to plug on our end. We have a bunch of other podcasts. Riverdale After Dark, our Riverdale podcast is Wednesdays after that show. Umbrella Podcast, our Umbrella Academy podcast. Really dragging that one out. Uh, one more episode. Marvel Vision, our Marvel on, podcast, man. talking about WandaVision out on Fridays and then going right into Falcon and Winter Soldier two weeks after that. American Godcast, our American Gods podcast, is Sunday nights, patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and all the shows we do. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice on YouTube, Comic Book Club, at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Good night. Shout out to Glover and Bobish as always. Keep prepping, kids. Take care of yourself. Got to go. 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 Got to go